Hey guys, it's uh, Monday a little before four, I'm guessing about five to four or so, and this is uh, Becoming Blind uh, episode uh, number three, because it's Monday, and this is what I do on a Monday now apparently. Anyway, last week I ended on... Uh, saying how I was going to try to explain how I learnt to uh, read, read again. Well, when I say read again, I mean that in the loosest possible term. And also how I managed to be able to find my way around, eventually find my way around by myself. Anyway, <clears throat> last week I had mentioned that I went to uh, Vision Australia uh, after my mum had had an accident um, trying to help me. And the catalyst for me going there had been uh, that accident uh, where mum's face was severely wounded after a trip and fall. And I had decided that I, in all conscience, couldn't be held responsible or didn't want to be held responsible for hurting other people because I myself was too emotionally wounded to get off my bum and start living life again. So off to Vision Australia I went. And talk about entering into a world that is uh, completely foreign. Now to give you a little bit of uh, family history. Uh, I am not the only blind person in my family. There are six of us. In my extended family, there my grandmother was blind, uh, so uh, my uh, maternal grandmother, and uh, my so mum's mum, uh, two aunts, uh, two uncles, and myself. Uh, the two uncles are related and are married to my mum's twin sisters. One of the twins was blind as well, and one other of mum's sisters and mum's mum. Anyway, so all of my life I've had blind um, associations and, and blind people directly in my flight path. So Vision Australia, whilst it wasn't a new concept for me in what they do, it was an extraordinary experience going through the process as a blind person uh, because going in the door that first time very very vulnerable experience because you have to start answering questions um, that you didn't that you don't ever think you're going to have to answer at the age of the, you know early 30s you know can you tell your color of your underwear do you know the color of your shirts are you able to pair your socks can you cook um, how do you handle personal hygiene uh, are you mobile and ambulatory? Um, all of these sort of things come into play and it is incredibly confronting. But my biggest confronting thing was I could no longer read or write. And I had this burning desire. That was the very first thing when they asked, when I was asked by the occupational therapist, what I wanted to do first I said I want to be able to read at least the headlines on the newspaper or alternatively have a good crack at it. 
So I said, and then the second thing I want to be able to do is I want to be able to navigate myself around the shops without feeling like I'm going to get run over A, by car or B, another pedestrian. Or alternatively, trip somebody up with a white cane. And at the time, I wasn't using a white cane. I was being dragged pretty much around by the arm, um, by whoever would lead me. Uh, I was a bit of an unkempt mess. Um, everything about my uh, world had changed uh, completely. Um, I had to surrender my driver's license. I had to sell my car. Uh, my career had ended. I'd lost everything. I didn't. The feeling of worthlessness uh, the first time into Vision Australia, I don't think I have felt that level of despair in um, most things in my life. Yes, there has been incidences that have been more traumatic, but the absolute despair uh, that I felt, I uh, felt very hollow and very empty. So... When I had stated that I had a burning desire to learn to read at least the headlines and the answer was, we can teach you how to do that. I think for me, it was a bit like getting out of flint and striking it on a piece of tinder and blowing like crazy and hoping that it was going to catch a light. And at first I thought, oh, no, nah, I'll never be able to learn this. It's going to be too difficult. I'm so useless. Is it worth it? No one's going to want to have anything to do with me anyway. But you know what? The thing that I was lacking at the time is not the belief that it could be done. It was the belief in myself that I could do it. So the first thing I had to overcome was, can I do this? Will I be able to learn this? Can I do it without eyesight? So after that first day and having made arrangements to uh, visit again the, the week over and uh, the week over having come along and walking in the first time to the occupational therapist's office and sitting down at a desk um, with my uh, knees crammed underneath this tiny windy little desk in a corner and uh, the occupational therapist Julie sitting beside me with a bunch of uh, photocopied sheets with ultra huge letters on them about three inches tall. Now essentially what it comes down to is how they teach you is they write simple um, words on a page so they just you know a couple of syllables a word and what they do is they put a dot to the very left hand side of the word on the same line as the bottom as the same tangent as the bottom of the of the very first letter but about an inch away to the left and the trick is is to train yourself to scan along one line now there's a particular thing you can do with your eyes um, and I do it and I've, and I've become so proficient at it that unless you really know what I'm doing, it's not particularly noticeable. My family notice it because they are used to me doing it. 
and they know when I'm doing it and they just um, step aside and give me the chance to do it so I can see where I'm at. Now, what it essentially is, is when I went first went there that first session, I had uh, pretty severe what they call accentuated viewing. So I would move my head to try and uh, find things with the little bit of eyesight I had left rather than move my eyes with my head remaining stationary. And the trick of the dot is, and it's designed that you look down at the piece of paper and you are not allowed to move your head. You have to move your eyes until you find that dot. And once you find the dot, you can then scan from left to right with your eyes along the same line until you hit the first part of the letter. Now, they print the letters out so big because when you've got such a small, small viewing window like I have, one tiny piece of a letter takes up that whole space. So the page goes from all of a sudden from being uh, completely white to completely black. So you know you're on the letter. And then it's the trick of finding the outline where half of your eyesight's looking at white and half of your eyesight is looking at black because then you know you've got the edge of the letter. And then it is a simple exercise of scanning up, 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 up and trying to find the edge and keep the edge and forming those letters in your head with the memory that you have of how they look on a piece of paper. It is not easy. It is so not easy. I cannot even begin to describe how hard it is. My first day at trying to read, <laughs> I couldn't even get the first letter. It took me nine weeks before I could spell um, six words. Anyway, but spell them I did. And over the course of the next several months and 300 hours just invested in learning how to read again, I taught myself how to read short headlines on a newspaper. From there, I progressed onto trying to do it on a computer screen and uh, totally other, total other story, uh, hopeless on a computer screen uh, because of the light, pixels, the whole ratio of things. So whilst I can read a headline and some words some of the time, it is very dependent upon uh, light, uh, uh, type so font and color uh, so I can't read colored writing at all I just don't even bother I, I really struggle in the supermarket it's just a sea of absolute color and nothing more anyway that's about the extent of what I can actually read um, as far as uh, mobility that was a much easier process. Uh, they stuck me with a lady called uh, Caroline, who is a mobility officer for Vision Australia. And it is a simple case of white cane. She teaches technique, and then she puts you in the car and takes you out to one of the basketball courts locally, and you follow the lines until you can follow the line with your white cane. And then there's a progression from there. And I did that every week, twice a week, for three months. Along with that... I also did some assisted living classes uh, over the course of the entire year. That entire year I did uh, that I rehabbed in, I attended assisted living classes for once a week, so 52 classes for the entire year. 
and they were difficult uh, because you are put into a class with uh, 12 to 15 other visually impaired people that have just lost their eyesight that all have attitudes and to a greater or lesser degree are either uh, sobbing messes or raging bulls. And you have to navigate your way through that. And that alone was um, incredibly uh, taxing. Emotionally, it was very, very taxing because everybody had an issue, including myself. So over that course of that rehabilitative year, I learnt to read basic words in a pretty large font. I learnt to be able to use a white cane to navigate myself pretty much anywhere I wanted to go. Uh, providing that there are right cues on the ground, the bump dots at the traffic lights, the little round dots, called bump dots, and they're there for a reason, and they are configured that when your white cane hits them, the configuration is the general direction uh, of which you should be heading. So there's a whole lot of things that are irrelevant to a sighted person that make completely um, complete sense to a vision-impaired person. I also learnt... Um, how to use uh, adaptive tech, uh, not only adaptive tech for uh, my computer and uh, my personal devices, but also adaptive tech for how to um, program a talking clock, how to use the water level for my cup. Um, there is a whole bunch of stuff, talking scales. There is a myriad of stuff. Um, there is... Uh, at the time, I used to use a, a daisy player for reading books, digital books. Uh, thankfully, over the course of the last 15 years, technology has uh, vastly improved, and now I can just download it all to my phone or my tablet, laptop, whatever I happen to have with me, straight from the library rather than having to worry, for, worry about discs coming in. So anyway, that's pretty much my experience with Vision Australia. Um, I don't have a great uh, love of them and it's not that uh, there was anything wrong with the uh, service I received. It was, great. it was a great service. It was just the symbolic reason why I actually had to be there in the first place and I warred with it. I warred with it every single time I had to go there. I warred with it, but war with it I did and win I most certainly did. So with all that said, that is another episode down. I think next week I'll have a chat to you about the intervening years between uh, Vision Australia and uh, learning um, to become a long-distance walker and also how I met my partner. That's all for today. Thanks for listening and I will chat to you tomorrow.